Hey guys, uh, welcome to the Guest Life Podcast, episode 16. We're uh, fortunate enough to have Diana Molden in the studio today. Um, she's a healthcare, sports, fitness professional. Um, she specializes in physiotherapy. Um, Diana is the director of physiotherapist at Footney Back Clinic and also the co-owner of Ancaster 30 Minute Hit. So we're so happy to have her on board today. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, I brought Diana in... Not only does she kind of help me personally, um, <laughs> kind of mold my body back together after all the uh, all the injuries that I go through, but um, Diane is one of those people that just always forward thinking, moving forward, um, talk about like you know creating a healthy atmosphere, not only in the workplace, but, you know, externally. Um, she's done so many things over the years in terms of different types of positions within her career. So um, we're happy to have her on board and kind of hear how she got to the place she is today. Awesome. Thanks. Um, so I'll let her introduce herself. But that being said, um, if you're in the sports world, you've probably heard her name before because she's maybe you know, taped your ankles or yep. fixed a rotator cuff. <laughs> yep. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you got here today. Okay. Well, I did all my schooling at McMaster. So I did my undergrad degree in Kin and then my physio degree um, at Mac. And then I started working at the Mac Sports Clinic. And that's where I was introduced to sports teams and athletes and chaos. And I just, I fell in love with it, whether it's, I don't know if it was the long days or the fast pace, but I loved it. And so I worked there for about five and a half years. And then I kind of made the difficult decision to try to have a little bit more work-life balance. And so I moved into private practice in Ancaster, but kept the sports side up so that it allowed me to kind of pick and choose what sports I wanted to do. So I started working with the Canadian bobsled team and I started working with, uh, there was a basketball team in there, a, a professional soccer team. So it gave me the ability to pick and choose sports and small pockets of sports still, but I had kind of a slower paced private practice clinic. Um, but then of course, you know, I just fill the gaps of, you know, more time with more opportunities to work. So uh, I, I would say, even though I've left, you know, the everyday sports world, I am probably still as busy as I was when I worked at Mac. I just fill it with other work-related events. And so, yeah, so I've been a physio for 10 years now. Um, still do sports, but also do kind of community and like the average person can come see me, not just athletes. And yeah, and that's where I am today. <laughs> and she was uh, telling me before she got in here <laughs> where she was running around to because she's got yep. a flight to catch next week, right? Yep. I'm leaving on Friday to Latvia uh, with the Canadian bobsled team. So we're going to do two races in Latvia and one, uh, one race in Germany. So I'll be gone about three weeks and then I'll come home. But I had an expired passport and <laughs> not the first time this has happened. So I was running around to get my passport today. And how do you get involved? Like, I mean, when we met, um, I was going through a football injury at the time and, uh, actually your brother worked for us here yep. and he was like, you know, you got to go see my sister. I was telling him about my rotator cuff and I had three different people look at it and I yep. probably mending it for about six months and I think two sessions with you and I got it back to, <laughs> back like, to bench press again. and shoulder press. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about like how that all works. Like how do you, 
you know, how do you get involved with the bobsled team? And then what do you do on a daily basis for them if you're going to be traveling? Yeah. So I, I credit a lot of how I treat now to my time at McMaster. So when I was in the sports clinic there, it was you know, one of those wild physio clinics where you see four people an hour, you know, you've got someone over on the bike, I've got someone on the table, I've got needles in someone over there. But in doing that for, you know, six days a week, and you know, 10 hour days, you end up seeing a ton of people and you end up seeing a ton of different injuries. And I would say, you know, unfortunately, for my patients of, you know, 10 or eight or nine years ago, I made a lot of mistakes. And so I learned how, you know, what works in treatment, um, picking things up kind of quickly because you saw so much back then, but you also treated a lot of people. And I like to make connections with, you know, all my patients. So, um, in bobsleigh, it was actually Jesse Lumsden that connected me with them. So yeah, so he was a longtime friend and then patient of mine. And he, when he transitioned from football to uh, bobsleigh, they were looking for a few other therapists to add to their kind of therapist team because the way they do it to make it manageable so that you can um, still have a work life, you do kind of pockets of, of races. So you might be with them for two weeks or you might be with the team for four weeks, but it's usually never longer than that. So then you're, you know, if you have a clinic, you can tell your patients I'm gone for four weeks, but I'm coming back. (laughs) And so when they were looking to add another therapist, Jesse recommended me, um, And I'm the only therapist that's not West Coast based because the team is out of Calgary. But they they kind of called me and I I guess I hit it. I must have told some good jokes. I hit it (laughs) off with uh, kind of the coordinators of the team. They gave me a trial in Lake Placid and I spent two weeks with the team. And then I guess everyone gave me, you know, the thumbs up. And I've been with them ever since 2018. Um, Yeah. So I was in Europe with them in February right before everything uh, locked down and and then, um, yeah, taking off to Latvia in a pandemic um, on Friday. So it's good. I mean, admittedly frustrating for some of my patients uh, when I'm in and out. The one thing I, I've learned and I think, you know, we've talked about this before is coming up with strategies to manage, you know, common problems. And a common problem is I'm away sometimes. So I've started telling patients like from first point of contact that, you know, I do take opportunities with professional teams and that will pull me out of the clinic, but I've built a team. So there's other people you can see besides just me. And, you know, I will usually always come back. (laughs) Well, that's great. And I think, Mm. you know, the, you know, setting the communication standards and making sure that you're, you know, talking to your patients. I know myself, I only come to you when I'm hurt. Yes. Um, but I know a lot of other people need more like, you know, maintenance practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think communication, that's my, what I base a lot of my practice on. I like to explain things like even with, you know, way back when we first started working on your shoulder years ago, I like to explain what's going on, what I'm doing. Not that you really care what I'm doing hands on, but I like to tell you what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And then, you know, if I give you exercises, I tell you what they're for and why you should do it. Because the more you know, the more you're invested in your care. It, it, you know, it's one thing if I just, you know, we don't really talk and I just, you know, manipulate your shoulder and then tell you to do an exercise, don't tell you why. And then you're like, well, I'm not doing this, this is stupid. And so I try to kind of communicate as much as I can to people to try and get them invested in their, in their care. 
and <laughs> yeah, well, and it's great too, right? Because then you understand, you know, what not to do when things happen again. Yeah, exactly. And and to recognize the problem early, like yeah. you did this time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come right in. <laughs> um, you know, being a female in a lot of times you're, you're working for male teams, obviously, you know, McMaster football and stuff like that. Um, tell us a little bit about how you navigate kind of, you know, being part of the locker room because, you know, football guys are, are wild and crazy. And I'm sure being on the sidelines is not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Um, but kind of managing expectations and also just like, you know, taking things, you know, in grasp and going with it. Mm -hmm. I think, um, the biggest thing, and it's, you can apply this to any business. And, you know, if you're a newer, I tell all my newer therapists to kind of think this way too, you know, there's the saying I, I say to people, you know, it's not weird unless you make it weird. And so, um, I've always just kind of, you know, waltzed into a locker room. It, it, I'm meant to be in there and um, <laughs> just, well, not just any yeah, locker room. Not just anyone. Yeah. I mean, I'm supposed to be in there, but, um, you know, I, I just kind of will confidently go where I need to go and, you know, join conversations if they're directed to me, you know, shut down conversations or, you know, one liners that shouldn't happen. Um, but I think, you know, I try to just kind of integrate myself and, and act like a member of the team. But I have had, you know, I, I won't tell you the sport, but I have had um, a professional organization in one, there's one professional league that admittedly has very few females. And they did tell me that they would, would prefer if I would train their therapist who was a male to treat like I do because they would prefer he was in the locker room and not myself in the locker room. Really? But other than that, it's the only um, sports team or, or league that hasn't kind of made an issue of it. Uh, I think admittedly, the guys, when they haven't had a female therapist, you know, they like to push the buttons, you know, see what they can get away with. But I don't, you know, I, I don't shut things down, in, you know, in an awkward way, but they know, you know, what they can say, what they can't say, you know, I can roll with the punches too. Yeah. So I think it's just kind of being confident and making it known that it's normal for you to be there. It's not, you know, something it's, you know, it's not unusual. So if you act normally, typically they will act normally too. But it's interesting. I'd never really thought about it before, you know, Mac football, like my teams at, at McMaster, um, I helped out with football. Um, that's where I got a lot of my sports skills, um, men's basketball, men's soccer. And, um, so I've always done it from like the beginning of my career. But when I was interviewing recently, I told you I, I interviewed with the Washington Wizards. And at the end of the interview, the guy said to me, he's like, you know, regardless of, of where we end up together and, you know, if we ever talk again, um, he said, I just want to commend you on, you know, your resume. And he's like, you have a lot of professional sports experience. And he's like, male athletes, it's tough to create a relationship with them and create, you know, confidence of them in you. And he's like, so, you know, male professional athletes are tough. And he's like, and then it's even tougher with you being a female. And he said, so I just want to commend you. He's like, your, your professional male sports experience really shows how you can create, you know, a rapport and a relationship and confidence between yourself and athletes. And he's like, that's rare to see. And it's rare to see as a female. So he's like, you should be really proud of that. And then I hung up. I'm like, oh, 
that's amazing. And then they never <laughs> called me again. But <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's it's more just having the confidence, whether it's, you know, a little bit of a show or you are really that confident, but just kind of projecting that that confidence that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And, you know, it tends to, I have never had an issue like gender wise that has caused me, you know, to leave a sport or have to take it to higher up or anything like that. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, it's great to see, especially in the, you know, from an outsider's perspective of, you know, the next generation of female uh, physiotherapists that want to get involved, like, don't be scared of, you know, getting outside your comfort yeah, zone. Yeah, you know, you don't have to work with the female teams. You can work with, with the male teams. For sure. And then, so how'd you make the transition out of, say, uh, McMaster onto, because I'm sure that was like kind of a broad spectrum when you were there out to now you're up at foot knee back clinic and then you made another jump into 30 minute hit spot yeah it's it's funny because I think I just have learned now it's taken me a long time but I think I've learned you know I I really like to work and um I think you know you always we were talking the last time we were together you know putting these systems in place to give you more freedom and I'm like I think I would just fill that freedom with more work but um when I was at McMaster it was it was a lot. There were 400 varsity athletes. So my last year there, I was in charge of just varsity athletics. So there were our 400 varsity athletes at McMaster and there were two therapists. So essentially it was like, we, I, it was 200 athletes I was overseeing. And so that gets to be a lot. And, you know, it's weekends and late nights and early mornings, which I'm not afraid of. But when I looked at it, I'm like, you know, this might be forever. I This might be my schedule. So I made the decision, you know, to go to Footney Back and switch into private practice thinking I'll have these like definable like eight to two and like one to seven hours. And then, I mean, my whole day ends up being working. But um, but that was what sparked the change to kind of go to community practice. So then, you know, when the gym opportunity came along, was it something that was, you know, in my 10-year vision? Absolutely not. But I'm like, okay, I like a challenge. It's something different. I can make this work. And so I kind of took that on. So I think a lot of the experiences that have been presented with to me, it's me saying, sure, like I've I've never done that. Like bobsleigh. I've never even seen it. Sure. I'd love to work with those athletes and see what it's like. And, you know, with any team I work with, it's like, yeah, sure, I'll figure that out. So, you know, with the gym, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll give that a try. And so I think it's just about, you know, jumping in with two feet. And then, you know, you find out down the road, it works, it doesn't work, you have to make changes. But what sparked me to leave McMaster was to try and strive for a little bit more work-life balance. And it's, you know, still swinging heavily in the work department, but yeah. <laughs> work in progress. Well, we talked about, uh, you know, last time I was getting treated was, you know, kind of when you're starting a family and, and when it's going to make that switch. And, you know, yeah, I think I said it pretty clearly. I said work-life balance is not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not unless, at all. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, especially if you want to excel in, in something. So if you want to be a mother or you want to be a father, it's, it's going to take over more of your time. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you have to put Nature time Nature of the beast. In. Yeah. Um, but that being said, like taking on some new challenges and navigating kind of how to be more effective and efficient with your time can always – you know, be utilized in the best ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with your busy schedule, that being says, yeah. how, you know, how do you prioritize with personal life? 
Um, it's tough. And it's almost like, you know, you need to think about it every day. You need to force yourself to do things for yourself every day. Cause it's so easy to be like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to work out this morning. And then, you know, it's like, or I could get through my email inbox before I start treating people and everyone else, you know, wants a piece of me. So it's hard uh, to, you know, truly prioritize yourself. You almost have to kind of drive it home every day. It's not something, at least for me, that kind of becomes routine. I still have to force myself. It's like, you know, your workouts in the morning, it's like you have to meet someone because if you rely on just yourself, it's not going to happen. But I think, you know, keeping like movement. So, you know, working out and just moving in some way every day, I have to kind of prioritize that also because I tell people to do that all day long. So it'd be terrible if I wasn't doing it myself. Um, a new one that I've tried to add in regularly too is meditation and just trying to kind of, when I transition out of the clinic for the day, trying to kind of like throw a meditation in there so that I can try and switch my brain into, okay, like clinic time is done, meditate. Okay, now it's, you know, this time or, you know, workout time or email time, but just changing changing that up. So I try to prioritize that. Yeah, I try to kind of not put it in the middle of my day because I don't want to go, I don't want to meditate and then go back to treating people. So I try to kind of put it at, I either meditate and go into the clinic or the clinic ends, meditate and then move on with it. So trying to kind of have it be a, a separator of the day. So I try to do that. And then I also, this I like I consider this self-care, but I really try to prioritize like friends and like connecting with other people, especially in a pandemic now. Like it's hard. I spend my whole day in a mask treating people. Like some of my patients, I didn't, I met them in the pandemic. So one guy today like adjusted his mask and I'm like, I didn't even know you had a mustache. Like he has a total old man like mustache, but I've never seen anything from the eyes down. (laughs) So, you know, I try to prioritize like, you know, whether it's meeting friends for a workout, meeting friends for a hike, you know, just trying to kind of connect with my friends as well. Because, you know, when you're building a business, it's so easy to have like your friends and your family be the first to go in a way because you assume like they'll always be there. So, you know, once I build this empire, I'll call them again. So I think, yeah, I try to prioritize friends, try to prioritize movement. And then meditation is my new one. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely hard, especially at the beginning. I think everyone's pretty understanding, Yeah. Um, you know, and supportive, but that wears off. Yeah. That wears off until you just, you become the business owner that's absent. Yeah. And uh, I think it's pretty easy to get that characteristic kind of mis- misconstrued because, you know, really it's just like, it's, uh, <laughs> everybody thinks it's an overnight success. Yeah. Right. How long have you been doing physio for? 10 years. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I think the other thing too is there's often not, you know, when you own your own business or you're trying to build a business, there isn't definable hours, you know, like you, you don't want to turn around the customer that's calling that, you know, needs your services. Just like, I don't necessarily want to turn down the person who's injured that needs my services. So if my day ends at four, but I don't have room for this person, well, now my day ends at five. And so it's easy to kind kind of bump things and and then all of a sudden you know you're supposed to meet a girlfriend to you know go meet up for a hike and it's like I can't make it anymore because I'm going to squeeze patients in saying this because I did this yesterday um (laughs) and you know I'm going to squeeze a few patients in and then so you have to try and kind of prioritize that and I think also trying to create as best you can like 
definable hours in, in your day so that there is, you know, not a hard stop, but like a soft stop time. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it, it's a constant struggle, but it's also, you know, being self-aware that it's happening yeah. and communicating that, Hey, you know, I'm really sorry. It's been like this lately. I've just, you know, been overwhelmed with work and I'm making this a priority over hanging out and going for a hike. Yes, exactly. And I'm going to change that in the future. <laughs> in the future. Yeah. Maybe when um, I retire. It's amazing. So tell me a little bit about the 30 minute hit. I mean, yeah. it's a huge part of the community, especially the, the female community up in Ancaster. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of uh, give back and, you know, a business opportunity it was all in one. Yeah. So it kind of fell into my lap. Like I said, it wasn't necessarily the, the long-term plan, but you know, it's, I try to encourage people to move all day long. And so many of the patients I see the struggle and it's funny that it is a struggle because it's so common sense to me, but it's not for every person that, you know, pain can be dealt with, with exercise. And so many people think, well, I'm going to start exercise once I'm out of pain. And it's like, no, actually, you know, if we can find things you can do, even though you have pain, that's what's going to help um, in the long term manage your injury or manage your chronic pain. So I just saw it as an opportunity to try and kind of keep the community active um, in like a fun and an interesting way um, and, you know, keep it women's only so that, you know, they have a, a space that they feel comfortable working out. But then the, the other piece to it, too, you know, there's a little bit of a self-defense piece to it, too. It's kind of fun teaching people to, you know, if they heaven forbid they had to but defend themselves. So, but I got into it mainly to think about, okay, this is a way to kind of encourage people that have never been active to give something a try to people that are, are, are active, give them something different to try, but just trying to get the community moving as a whole. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And um, like, tell me a little bit of how, like, what do you, what do you guys specialize in? How does it work? So it's, um, it's kind of a circuit style workout. So every station is two minutes. And within that station, you're doing kind of a high intensity interval type circuit exercise. So there's different bells that go off during the workout um, to signify kind of going as fast as you can at whatever you're doing. I heard that a little bit. When I was, uh... <laughs> yeah, I hear them all the time. Um, and so, uh, to kind of encourage that increase in heart rate and then the heart rate drops back down, you work on your technique two minutes and then you move on to the next station and then there's 13 stations in total. So in the end, it's just under 30 minutes. Your heart rate is going to be varied throughout the whole workout, which is going to help kind of with that fat burning um, style. But then also, like I said, working on, you know, self-defense techniques, kickboxing, boxing. So it's fun. It's, it's, it's fun. It's different. It's, um, I, I felt like there wasn't anything like it around here, which is part of the reason why I got involved. Um, and it's been good. That's amazing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about technology only because last time I was treated, I got absolutely um, ravaged by this gun <laughs> yep. uh, technique. But that being said, my shoulder feels a lot better. Yes. Um, so I'd love to talk about kind of, you know, being an entrepreneur, you always have to be adapting and, you know, open to these new ideas and new techniques. Yep. So with physiotherapy, I'm sure, you know, just yep. like diets, there's keto, vegetarian, vegan, all these different things. Yeah. With physio, whether it's chiropractic, massage therapy, or just, you know, I call yours active physio. Yep. I don't know. I'm sure there's a term for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but with the new technology, how does, how does, 
how do you adapt and do you need to always adapt and do you do continue training? Yes. So I think one of the biggest things is there's always courses out there, um, as there is with any profession. So any kind of new physios that I'm mentoring or working with, first question they always ask me is, what courses should I take as soon as I graduate? And I'm like, okay, well, first of all, let's see, you know, where you're going to be working and what you enjoy seeing and what you don't enjoy seeing. And then, you know, what courses are out there that can take, that can fill that knowledge gap. So, you know, I've said it to any, and anyone that in, comes in contact with me, like I'm a course junkie. I'll take any course out there. It's terrible for like the financial side of things, but I will always take courses and then I'll take it and then be like, okay, that was good. Or that was bogus. Or, you know, I'll use a little bit of that, but not all of that. So I think it's definitely important to, for physios, chiros, any healthcare practitioners, to be taking courses to see what's out there. Because in the social media world now, everyone's an expert, right? You know, you can get you can get a physio that has 400,000 followers and he's just, you know, spewing complete garbage. But you look and you're like, 400,000 followers. I mean, that's, it's probably right what he's saying. And it's not, but he just has a large base. And same with courses. I mean, anybody can make a course and they can teach you whatever they want and design a certificate in Canva and print it out and, you know, it's official. And But they might not actually be the expert in, in what they're doing. So you have to evaluate everything that comes buy. And so that being said, you know, the guns. So I used the Theragun on you and that's, you know, there's a big trend in the guns now. And, um, and it looks fancy if you have one. It, but it was intense. Yeah. Yeah. It was intense. And <laughs> totally. I, I asked her if it could be lowered because I yeah. thought my shoulder <laughs> no, was going to fall off. But I was on the easiest setting. Yeah. But so with things like that, with something like that, like I look into the evidence of that. And you know what? The evidence actually supports the use of, they call it vibrational therapy. And there is evidence to show that the muscles get so confused at the rate at which they're vibrating that they just kind of calm down and and relax. So I have a, a tool, especially, you know, if I'm working on a massive quad. Um, so, you know, bobsledders are bigger individuals. And so if I've got a big quad in front of me, trying to mimic what the gun can do, like with my thumbs would be exhausting. So, so you use something, something like that. Whereas, you know, there's always trends. There's a trend in physio now, or I guess I saw it more so a couple of years ago where it was hands-off. So, you know, manual therapy. So like what I do with you with the shoulder and working into your neck, that doesn't do anything. So hands-off, exercise only for physio. And, um, you know, so I know a lot of physios that treat that way. Like they're, they treat with exercises and they don't really use their hands. And, and I think it's managing expectations. Like if you've been to physio before, you've seen me for your shoulder before I worked with my hands, shoulder got better. So if, <laughs> if you all of a sudden yeah. came in and Depending I was like, injury, yeah. yeah, Dan, we're, you know, we're not going to, um, you're not going to lay on the table anymore. We're going to do exercises. And then I might use the gun. I might throw some tape on you and off you go. I'm not really managing your expectations of, well, the last time my shoulder hurt and it got better, you worked on it. And so that's what I think I want to see. So um, it's there's always trends. I think a good physio will look at all the trends or a good Cairo or whatever will look at all the trends and evaluate them and maybe use them a little bit or not use them at all. Or, you know, and you, so you kind of make your own toolbox. You don't kind of jump in two feet any one way or the other. And how have you found that? I mean, I think 
you know, anybody listening, being an entrepreneur in a space, like we're not recreating, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel. I would yeah. say we're just pumping up the tires, but creating your own identity within your brand and your organization and your specialty, I think is so important. So with physio, I'm sure, you know, yours is very unique. Um, yeah. You know, I've been to multiple physios throughout my life for different things. And like, how do you find, um, obviously you're confident in what you do because your mm-hmm. results are shown. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thanks. What, what's like, uh, what's one of the, you know, craziest things you've done with somebody or helped them overcome, whether it was sports or just regular health? Like, yeah, is there I, a story that kind of sticks out to you? Yeah. The, um, and it's a, a recent one. I, I bet if I thought I could come up with a few more, um, but recently, so in February when I was in Switzerland, um, with the bobsled team, we were, it was the four man race day and they'd done the first heat. The guys had done the first heat and then the pilot. So he's our gold medalist, Justin Cripps. He, um, pulled his groin in between, like after the first, the first heat and there's still a second heat. And we were sitting, I think second at that point. And he'd never done well on this track. Like I think previously he had placed 15th and now he's sitting second. So he is thinking like, I'm, I'm racing, you know, part of you thinks, okay, like don't even bother doing the, the second heat. Like there's no point you pulled your groin. We've got other races coming up. And he was like, no, I have to, I'm going to race. And I'm like, okay, so I have about 30 minutes to figure out like how we're going to, how is he going to push the sled, sprint, get in the sled and not blow his groin out. And so for me, I know there's nothing my hands are going to do unless say a shoulder is dislocated and I put it back in. Okay. That solves a problem with my hands in like five minutes, but I'm not going to unpull his groin with my hands, but I'm going to let him think I am. So, you know, he lays down on the table. I'm, you know, literally just rubbing his leg and I'm like, oh, I can feel it loosening. Oh, this is going to be good. Yep. You're going to be fine. And then I'm like, okay, we need to tape it. I need to know that I need to tape it in a way where he's not going to blow his groin. So there's a tape job called a hip spica, but I hadn't even opened the kit that I'd been traveling with for three weeks. I had no idea what was in there. I opened it up because I usually just travel with my own stuff. So I'm like, please let there be a tensor in here. So I open it up. There's like two different sized tensors. I'm like, okay, this will work. Tape up the hip so that he can't extend his leg past where I want him to. And then, you know, taped it up. I'm like, okay, this is going to be fine. You have five seconds. You can sprint for five seconds. And and it's all about instilling the confidence. I at no point was like, I don't know. Do you, are you sure you want to do this? Like there's a, there's championships coming up. Do you really want to do this? I was like, nope, this is going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You can't hurt it. Totally could. Um, you can't hurt it. We've taped it. It's totally protected. We worked on it. Like, let's go. And so they pushed. I had scissors down my snow pants in case the tape job that I did to his hip was too tight. And he got to the start line and was like, cut this off. So I had tape down my snow pants and um, they take off and go. And I'm watching at like he sprints, sprints the whole way. Um, All four guys get in the sled. They finish. They finish in first with one team left to go. And it was the team that was in first place because they go backwards like 10 to 1 in the second heat. And then I'm watching and you just see like the team in front start to slow down. We ended up in first. He won gold. He'd never done that before. Like 
runs into the clubhouse, like picks me up. Like, and I was just like, you just feel like you're part of the team. Oh my God. Even though I had to exert no energy. Um, but it's, it's those things where you're like, okay, I have, you know, 20 minutes. I have to make him feel confident that he's not going to hurt himself. I have to do something to protect it. So I'm confident, you know, there's at least less of a chance that he's going to hurt himself. And I have to look around to see what I even have with me. We're in a bar in, so like the, in Switzerland, the track, it's like, there's such like history there. So the track you actually are treating in this old like men's club called the Dracula club. And it's just, there's Draculas everywhere and vampires. And, um, so you're looking around like, Hey, what am I going to do? How am I going to rig this up? And then to see like that success, you're like, okay, Okay. I feel part of the team. So yeah, that was a recent one where I felt like I, you know, impacted the outcome of a race, which was nice. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. So I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) (laughs) I was expecting like, you know, I had this lady in a walker and she's back. So yeah, that was, that's that's amazing. I mean, there's a few of those, you know, you always have the stories like, you know, someone couldn't walk before they were waiting for a knee replacement, get the knee replacement. And then they, you know, walk their daughter down the aisle. Like there's those good ones too. But like the ones that like really get my heart rate going are usually sport related. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing. No problem. So, you know, we always have our listeners come in and, and one of the things we say is why not me? Why not now? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the question is, you know, always taking chances and taking risks and being entrepreneurs, especially, yep. you know, young at age and, and, you know, filled with lots of energy and, and what we're going to do. So what would you tell your, your old self or someone coming up yeah. about someone that's like maybe thinking, do I do it? Do I not do it? What yep. advice would you give them? Um, I think you just have to take the chances that you think you can't take. And, you know, so any sports opportunity, it's usually someone reaching out to me. I've never really had to apply for a sports job with a sports team. It's usually just people reaching out. And then it's a sport that maybe I'm not comfortable with or I have no experience in, but I always say yes. And from there, it leads to other experiences. So I think the biggest thing is, you know, you, I never think, you know, working with the bobsled team on the first day, I'm like, oh gosh, they're going to eat me alive. Like, you know, applying to, you know, the Washington Wizards. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to hear from them. But I just do it because I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? I never hear from them or, you know, the team doesn't like me and I get that great opportunity and I never work with them again. No problem. So I think it's, you know, taking the chances you think you don't deserve and just learning as much as you can from them. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. I know the listeners are so excited yeah. to hear it. And, uh, <laughs> thanks for you know, having get me. Get that input. So, thanks for being on the show. And to all the listeners out there, again, you want to ask yourselves the question: Why not me? Why not now? So, um, if you want to chuck something out, and you're a female, and you want to try thirty minute hit in Ancaster, yeah, um, we'll have all our links in the bio. And then the next time you uh, you bang up a shoulder or a knee, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know where to find Diana. Perfect. And um, see you around. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much.